Today is Independence Day. July 4th, what year? 17. What year was it penned? The Young Man with the Answers. Liam Bettinghouse, right there. That's right. So, how many years has it been? Math whiz. What year is, what year is it right now? 2021. How many years? 45? Not quite. Missed it by that much. 245 years. 245. That's okay. Put you on the spot. You put yourself on the spot. You're going to have to bear with me. I have to read it in part. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. Bear with me. Who's read it? I don't think that's even half. Okay. So there is some familiarity. Call yourself Americans. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. I always try to put myself in the king's shoes. You imagine getting this parchment, you're like, those revolutionaries. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, what's a despot? A tyrant. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world followed by a list, you can take the time to read it later, of the abuses. I'll spare you those. 
We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions do in the name, capital N, and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Now that's one incredible document. I don't know about you, but that gets my red bone, Hoosier, all-American blood pumping. America declared her independence, her independence. Then she fought for and won her independence. How long ago? 245 years ago. So as a country, how are we doing today? You don't need even two eyes or two ears or hardly a brain in your head to see that we live in Sodom and Gomorrah today. It was the good Lord's pleasure for America to be formed 245 years ago. God has blessed America. He has blessed the world through America. He is blessing us all as we speak. But let's be clear, God does not owe us a single thing as a country or as individuals. He does not owe us a free nor a lasting country. And he could end it all before this sermon's over. And he would be in his right to do just that. Sure, the United States of America is independent, free, but are we? Are we free and independent? A man has as many masters as he has vices. And we, again, not just we America, we here have many vices that master us. So how are we doing as a country? How are you as a Christian American citizen doing? And as we turn to our scripture passage, what I have to say to you is that you are completely and entirely dependent on Christ for everything. So in light of that, please stand for the reading of God's word as we turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. This is the word of the Lord. It is eternally true. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So in light of this, America, Declaration of Independence, Chesterton famously wrote, my country right or wrong is a thing that no patriot would think of saying, except in a desperate case. It is like saying my mother, drunk or sober. In light of our passage, Christians are united. We're united all around the world because we are united to Christ. He is the one true vine. From a vine, you can have a giant spread of branches all over. We're united in Christ. So the United States of America, it's our home here and now, but you understand it's not our home. We're Christians. Our residence is in heaven. And we're grateful for what God has done here. And be sure of it, God has blessed America and us for all for his own glory. But nations rise and nations fall. Sir John Glubb wrote The Fate of Empires and Search for Survival. He was part of the British Royal Military. He documented the lifespan of the great empires throughout history. Assyrian, Persian, Greek, Roman Republic, Roman Empire, Arab, Mameluke, Ottoman, Spanish, Russian, and of course his own British Empire, which he documents as ending about 1950. What was the average lifespan of these empires? Guess. 238 years. And where are we sitting? How many years? Or seven years overdue. Some lasted longer. There were several that lasted about 250. One was 267. Nations rise and nations fall. And we, as a church, we as a country, are nothing apart from Christ. Mars Hill. Praise God for Mars Hill. We thank the Thistletons and so many others for their work here. It's nothing apart from Christ. Absolutely nothing. Why was Evangel Presbytery formed? Because Presbytery, Presbyteries are failing around us. Churches and groups of churches are failing. And one of the, one of the elders at the time talked about forming the Presbytery for years and years and years. 
Uh, one elder said that institutions often last about 75 years. So there's, there's a burn rate. All the work that we do all the other days of the week, all that must serve Christ. This work we do here on Sunday mornings, this is the work that we are about as Christians. It's the work that we're about. Alex prayed this morning as we were setting up, practicing for worship, that we would do this for His glory, that we would come and worship in truth, in spirit. That, that Chesterton quote, I hate to read it. I hate to say it because I do love my country. I grew up in the 80s. I mean, that was America, 85. To me, as a kid, maybe ignorance was bliss. Maybe ignorance is always bliss. 80s were great. I remember I have a little picture of me by my cousin, Jerry, sitting 4th of July, and he's got a big old Pepsi can in his hand about the size of his head. That's my picture of my American childhood. But was it a facade? You think of the 60s and 70s and us reaping the wind and now sowing the whirlwind. In our lives, we do not want a facade. Dads and moms, we don't want to raise our kids to be fakes, to be liars, where they conceal their sin and don't confess it. You want to have a home where kids feel safe to confess their sin and you pray with them. Jesus is not going to be duped by our fakery on the day of judgment. Let honesty be your policy. And so... Know where we're sitting as a country. Ecclesiastes 7 says, It is better to go to a house of mourning, M-O-U-R, sadness, than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, and when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. So the 13 colonies... The self-named original United States of America, they declared their independence from Britain. And if you read through that list of injuries that they suffered from the British crown, you'll agree it wasn't pretty. It was bad. They write that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed revolutionary spirit. Was Britain tyrannical? It sounded like it. And so the, those young United States of America, they fought for and they won their independence. But you know as well as I do, you are never independent from a master. There is always an authority. It's like matter. You can't destroy it. You have a master. America did not gain its independence from all mastery, simply from British rule. So what have been America's masters? 
What are your masters? And we are being called this morning to dependence. We are dependent on Christ for everything. Independence is not in itself good. Depends on what you're talking about. Apart from Christ, we are dead. We are all daily dependent and relying on God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for everything we need. What are you like when you're independent? What are you like when you're alone and you've convinced yourself that no one else is watching? Well, I can tell you, because I know how I am, you're selfish. As I told a young couple recently, we're all selfish idiots. That's what we are. What do you like when you forget that you are dependent on God completely? You're angry. I've seen it on some of your faces. I can use Jessica, my wife, as an example. She yelled at the kids one time, and she said she saw her reflection in the mirror. It wasn't a pretty picture when you're angry. And that anger, if it's left unchecked, it would be murder. You just want the baby to be quiet. You just want the child to stop whining. And you can't control the situation. You've lost control and you're so full of rage. And then we justify ourselves in our anger. And so we whine and complain just like the kids do. I wonder where they get that from. And so you see how kind and tender our Heavenly Father is toward us. The whole message of our passage this morning, the takeaway, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the takeaway. He won't even allow you to do anything apart from him. And you might say, well, that's kind of arrogant. That's self-aggrandizing. No, if you said that, it would be arrogant but not with God. He's jealous for his own glory. He does what he will, and what he wills to do is always right. We're talking about God. You may have some particular pernicious sin in your life that's on your mind now that you want to see taken away. And some of you might say, well, I don't have a particular pernicious sin. Well, then I say you don't know yourself or God as you should. You want it taken away. You may not, and you will not do it in your own power and in the strength of your flesh. It's impossible. Why? Because here Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He won't even allow you to succeed because he's jealous for his own glory. And we, in this fight, are completely dependent on him. Like an infant or a child, completely dependent on mom and dad. We're dependent on one another more than we realize here in this room. 
We depend on Christ and His church. For me to grow in grace, for me to bear more fruit, when I sin, I sin. I depend on my brothers. I depend on my wife and sometimes my kids to confess my sin to them and ask them to pray for me. I was angry again. It was wrong. We're dependent. So it will be on the day of judgment. You will give an account for your fruit or the lack thereof. So what will your fruit be? Not our good intentions. I meant to get around to that. Those good things that I wanted to do. We'll give an account for those times we made excuses for our sins. Saying, well, there's, there's grace for that. And there's grace for the next time too. And although there's truth there, shall we go on sinning so that His grace may abound? May it never be. Now pruning. The process of pruning. Do we have gardeners? Anyone? Jesus is the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word... What does it mean to prune? The definition is to trim a tree, shrub, or bush by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. So it looks painful. I mean, if I was that tree or the bush, it looks like it hurts. That looks like it causes pain. But the goal is more fruitfulness. You've got to cut away the dead stuff or the bad stuff. Furthermore, pruning is used to reduce the extent of something by removing superfluous or unwanted parts. It doesn't sound like a fun process. I mean, would you like a little piece cut off of you? You wouldn't. That is the correct answer. When God prunes us, it doesn't mean He removes little pieces of our bodies. I mean, maybe. But that's the kind of discipline you need. Jesus said a couple things about that. But what could Jesus mean here? It says, every branch that bears fruit, He literally cleans it. It's, it's a description of pruning. I've got the little note here. That's why he says, you are already clean. I didn't understand that until I read this note. Used to describe pruning. You are clean, i.e., you're pruned like a branch. It's too bad. So, much of our, so many of our analogies we read in Scripture, they're lost on us because we're not farmers. We have no idea the depth of the meaning here. So you hear and read the words of Jesus. He prunes you. The process sounds painful, but it's ultimately for your benefit and the benefit of everybody else in your life. Eating food that's healthy is painful. 
It's not fun, but it's good for you. Studying hard at school is painful, but it's good for you so that you can bear more fruit. Do you want to go out into the world with no education? Working hard is painful, but the result is so that you will bear more fruit, so that you can bring a paycheck home, provide for your family. To raise children and then to see them move away from home is painful. To be a child, to grow to adulthood, and then to leave home for a time is painful. My first two weeks at IU were very lonely. So pray. But I was a young Christian at the time. I needed that pain, those two weeks. I needed that pain. God used it. He used it to steal my spine. I was part of the religious studies department at IU, and I needed faith in him. I needed more dependence on Christ. To carry, birth, and raise children is painful. And I'm just speaking as the dad. And then to do the hard work of disciplining them faithfully without being angry all the time, and then to ask your children to forgive you sometimes when you're angry, or to repent of not disciplining them faithfully, you've been slack, and you haven't loved them to discipline them, and then to do the hard work of being faithful to correct and discipline them the way they need, all of that's painful. Pruning. I have to. To report directly to Lee Morewood. I had you in my mind. I expected some kind of smile from you. To have the gift of a man who speaks his mind. Sometimes it's painful, but it's a gift. And to be a pastor to that man and tell him, well, God gave you that honesty to prune you and to make you give him more glory. That's painful as well. It's painful to do the work of a pastor. It's painful to be a sheep and be fed by a man who is your inferior. To have parents who are dying and to minister and preach Christ to them, that's painful. To rise up day after day and work hard is painful. God is pruning us through all of this. To rise up every night and feed the baby again and again, God is pruning you so that you will bear more fruit. To be adopted and to be moved halfway around the world. I cannot even imagine the pruning involved there. But where would you be? Where would your life be in Christ otherwise had not God done that to you? To do the work of adopting. Which one took more faith? To do the adopting or to be adopted? Both of them have grown your dependence on Christ. 
to use your gifts to serve and advise and counsel for years and years, and to do it without a lot of thanks, and to fill up your time with helping others. Now there's an example of long-term pruning resulting in bearing more fruit. You can't even measure how much fruit has been born with God using you like that for years and decades. To start a marriage and family, to marry another sinner who's just as sinful as you, or to be waiting for marriage, or to see dad and mom fighting and see separation. to do hard work, to clean up sewage, literally or figuratively, to learn how to be a dad and mom when you didn't necessarily have the best examples of that growing up, to be suffering with pain in your head and neck constantly, not knowing what's ultimately going to happen to you, to have children who suffer pain and defects, to work hard and tirelessly administratively, often without thanks or appreciation, and still to be joyful and not bitter about it. All these things and more, God gives us these to prune us so that we will bear more fruit. He has given you these trials, these struggles, this pain. It's all good. It's all from his hand. I worked to plant a church in Indianapolis for three years, and it failed Gloriously. How much did I learn through that process? I grew up and learned pastoral care by leaps and bounds over those three years. He gives us trials with our kids, mentally, physically, to help kill our sin and so that we'll have more fruit. These words from Jesus Christ here in John 15, what's the context? Does anybody know? When are these being given? What's the context? He's talking to the disciples. It's the Last Supper. He's about to be betrayed and abandoned. These sheep, these disciples, are about to be scattered can you even imagine more painful pruning? But the fruit that came from it, we're reading about that fruit in the Acts of the Apostles now. Learn about farming. Learn about gardening. And you'll get a lot more of Scripture. So many parables and analogies that go right over our heads otherwise. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Anyone take a stab at the old English word? My Father is the... None of you raised your hands. They're not farmers. The person who worked with the vines. At least the young man took a stab at it. The old English word, my Father is the... It's an old word for a farmer. Pastor Alex has it. My father is the husbandman. A husbandman 
is a farmer who cultivates the land. Husbandry is the care, cultivation, and breeding of crops and or animals, the management and conservation of resources. In closing, Matthew Henry has a way with words. Here are a few words from Matthew Henry. When you go to a vine, what do you expect to get from it? Grapes. You go to a vine and you expect to get grapes. And when God goes to a Christian, he expects to receive and see Christianity. And that's the call to us. When God comes to you, not just now, but this afternoon and tomorrow and this week, he wants to get Christianity from you. Unfruitful trees are said to lie. And God does not like a plant that does not bear fruit. A plant that does not bear fruit is only good for firewood. You don't want to be thrown in the fire, now or for eternity. Bear fruit, but you cannot and will not do it on your own. You can just as easily bear fruit without Christ as a limb lying there in the grass. Apart from the source, you can do nothing. It's dead. So abide in Christ and he will abide in you, is what John 15 says. God will do the work in you. He's already prepared these works ahead of time. He's the farmer bringing the growth. And he cares for you. He loves you. He wants to do this work in you. He's working in you now, all of you here. Depend on Christ. And he will do the work of bearing fruit in you for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you and give you glory. You're so kind. We depend on Christ. Give us faith in him. Give us love for Christ. Give us greater love for one another. Advance your gospel and your kingdom in and through us. May Jesus Christ be praised. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.